studying abroad as a pre-health student can feel a little bit like trying to find a unicorn. Thankfully, at Penn State, we have a really good partner in our Office of Science Engagement who focuses on finding those needles in the haystack, those unicorns of experiences, so that all students, regardless of their pathway, can choose to explore their minds and put themselves outside of their comfort zones and study abroad. I'm excited for this episode where we join a colleague from our college to talk about studying abroad, regardless of your pathway. So this is going to be hopefully a really fun episode this week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast, the show to help all pre-health students on their journeys to acceptance. I am this week's host, John Moses Bronson, and I am delightfully welcomed again in the studio with my colleague, Kimberly Johnson. Hi, everyone. So it's great to be back one week later, all over again. And we are excitingly joined by our friend and colleague from uh, one floor below us, uh, <laughs> Joel Waters from the, uh, you're in the Office of Science Engagement. Yes. And yes. you cover uh, a lot of stuff for a lot of students. So to sort of get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, your journey at Penn State and how you landed where you're at? Sure, sure. Yeah. So thank you both for having me here. I appreciate it. Um, any opportunity that I have to basically get in front of people virtually or otherwise <laughs> uh, to talk about their education abroad opportunities, I heartily take advantage of. Um, yeah, so how I got here, um, I guess starting back when I was an undergraduate myself, uh, study abroad was something I definitely wanted to do. I was not in the pre-health realm whatsoever. Um, but, uh, back then it was easy for me, uh, to work that into my academic plan. I ended up studying abroad for two full semesters, an entire spring, an entire fall. Um, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, and I got engaged during the second of those semesters when we Romantic. studied abroad together. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, it was, it's, it's a good story to tell around mm -hmm. the, to tell around the, the, uh, dinner table. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've always had a very, uh, uh, strong relationship and desire to see others go abroad as well and have these great experiences that I did. Um, started off at Penn State as an academic advisor in HHD, actually, um, then came uh, to do advising in biology. And while in biology, I kind of did what I do now, but for that department, for yeah. just bio and helping their majors get abroad and find international opportunities. Um, now I have the pleasure and the privilege of doing that for the entire College of Science. So that's really exciting for me. And it's just been an absolute blast the past, gosh, how long have I been doing this? Uh, two and a bit years? I was going to say, it's a little yeah. over two years at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So where did you study abroad? I studied abroad uh, as... <laughs> As most Penn State students do, it seems. I studied abroad uh, for my first semester in Florence, in Florence, mm, Italy. Nice. 
absolutely beautiful town, and we do have a fantastic program there specifically for free health students, which I uh, look forward to discussing a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a that that was a great experience. And then my second semester in the fall um, was in Canterbury in the United Kingdom. Very cool. Um, yes, home of home of the Canterbury Tales and the Archbishopric of Canterbury, and this very small town mm-hmm. dominated by a huge cathedral and fairly large university. So I also studied abroad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I studied abroad in Limerick, Ireland. Oh, University of Limerick. That's a great it's program. It's beautiful. Yes. And uh, Limerick is known for two things. One, uh, it's it's the closest to Shannon Airport, which is the first international airport to start to offer duty-free and, like, really? upscale shopping at an airport. So if you're ever like, why is there all this, like, ridiculously, like – upscale shopping in an airport, Mm -hmm. you can thank Shannon Airport outside of Limerick, Ireland for that. I did not know that. It was, it's the closest airport. That was not going to be one of the things I was (laughs) going (laughs) to say. It's the closest airport to the United States. So when international travel started to become popular, Uh, they always stopped there before they went into the rest of Europe. And it took time to refuel those planes. And so they were like, well, how do we keep rich White women busy. Sure, sure. Shopping. Shopping. Okay. And so, yeah, it started this whole industry around airports being more than just for uh, more than just a bus station. Right, right. For flying buses. For flying. And then the Airbus, if you will. The technical term, yes. And and then the second thing is uh, less glamorous. Okay. Uh, So, Limerick is the fourth largest. city in Ireland, uh, but number one in stabbings. Uh, cool. <laughs> so, uh, it's I just like to say, we have a great program at the University of <laughs> So that of was back Liverpool. in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It was back in the 80s. Stabbings are way down. It's, it's oh not gosh. how it is anymore. Okay. I think it's one of the safest cities in Europe awesome. now. Sorry, should have clarified. Back in the day, <laughs> right. number one in stabbing. So they called it Stab City, although... Oh <laughs> But again, wow. it's now one of the safest places. I never once felt uncomfortable, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. for clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also add that <laughs> Ireland in the 80s is a very different uh-huh. place different and a very place. different time as oh, far yeah. as civil strife goes as to how it is now. <laughs> just want to put that out there. Oh, Any yeah, parents that are listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've had uh, quite the economic boom since then. Yes, and indeed. it turns out yes, more money, safety tends to follow. Imagine who'd that. Who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, I found it uh, the best because uh, it was the first place I ever had lemon coriander hummus. Oh, my goodness. Um, which I didn't think that those lemon, th- those flavors belonged together in hummus, but oh, boy, howdy do they. Not something that you would automatically associate with Ireland. but No, but it was the most delicious hummus I had ever tasted in my whole life. And you returned intact and healthy and all that. Yeah. I learned a lot more than just about stabbings and hummus. Right. But, um, <laughs> And shopping. And shopping. And shopping. And airport shopping. Um, yes. Uh, it was it was a beautiful experience. Kimberly, I vaguely remember you I don't know if it was a formal study abroad, but I know that you've been abroad to India. I've been abroad to India. That was not study abroad. I was not I sure, but I knew that you had traveled lucky. there extensively. Yeah, well, uh, my dad did research in India, so I was lucky enough when I was 16 to travel to India for a month. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that was an exciting travel abroad experience for me. But I did study abroad in college, mm-hmm. two semesters like usual, or mm-hmm. a kind of almost a full year, re- like 
full, full year because I started out with a language program before my mm. semester began mm-hmm. that was six weeks long. So I went to the Czech Republic and I went to Germany. Mm-hmm. And in the Czech Republic, I was not in Prague, mm-hmm. just to clarify <laughs> that there is more to the Czech Republic there is. than Prague. There is, yes. <laughs> I was very far east in Olomouc, which is actually closer to Vienna than to oh, Prague. Cool. Mm-hmm. So when I needed to escape the post-Soviet doldrums, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would sometimes go to Vienna for a weekend because it was only about, two, I think, two and a half hours on the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems about right. Yep. And then I was in Germany in a direct enrollment program at the university um, for my second semester. And, and where great. in Germany again? Uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart, okay. Yep. So, which is a very different part of Germany than I'd ever been to before because I'd lived in Germany a few times before that, but never in that region, mm-hmm. more up north. Yeah. North Germany. That's where I've been previously. Yeah. Well, so. and as we've discussed before, we just had a new program added uh, in the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. also not in Prague. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, we can talk about that a little bit. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I would love to start diving into the nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to set the stage that, like, when we tell you that you can study abroad, we want you to know that, like, we're not just, like, telling you something that not, none of us have done. We have all done this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, I'm from an itty, itty, itty bitty town. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not a matter of I came from too small of a place. I can't do this. Where I'm from a city, so I have to do this. Anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As long as you plan ahead very well. So to get us sort of started, I think a lot of students, particularly in the health professions, have a fear that they won't be able to accomplish this. Mm-hmm. So I want to start off a little bit with some myth busting around this idea that, like, I can't study abroad because I am in X major. Mm-hmm. With this professional goal. Yes. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how you have conversations with students who start them off like that? Mm -hmm. So I would say the first thing, the first thing that I did in this job um, was to start to overcome the misconception that I am a science major or I am a STEM major, or in this case, I am a pre-health major and therefore I can't fit in a study abroad experience that mm-hmm. study abroad isn't for me. You know, mm-hmm. it's for all those, you know, as I can say, as a former, uh, as a former liberal arts major, it's for all those, you know, frou-frou majors that don't have to take <laughs> chemistry and physics and yeah. biology and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, that that's the reason that it wouldn't be able to fit in. Or even if it's not for me, because I'm not from, privileged enough of a background, right? And it's only for the rich kids, quote unquote, yeah. right? Um, these are these are two of the biggest misconceptions that I fight against yeah. every day um, and will continue to because basically I just say, give it a chance, give study abroad a chance, give the opportunity a chance, come, and, come in and chat with me and I guarantee you, I guarantee 100% that we can find you an international program that fits into your life circumstances, whatever those are, that fits into your academic plan, that does not delay your graduation, but that actually um, increases your chances or at least benefits your qualifications for whatever it is you want to do after graduation. Yeah. 
from being on like this side of the chair, I do remember when you first started and we started asking the questions about how study abroad credits will be evaluated mm, by yes. admissions officers. And we went down quite a number of rabbit holes. Yes. Penn State's study abroad is not like every other one's. Yes. When you study abroad, Penn State awards the credits. Correct. Correct. And that makes a huge difference. Yes, it does, especially for very choosy med schools and PA schools and dental and et cetera, yes. et cetera. Because earning – this is like a – I'm putting my cute little pre-health pre health chapeau on. Um, your credits have to be awarded by a U.S. institution <laughs> for their accreditation. Yes. But because Penn State awards the credits, that's why it's fine to study abroad even if you have those goals. Precisely. So – um, I'm glad that we did we did that digging early on mm-hmm. because I can't speak for you, Kimberly, but I have seen a lot more of my students wanting to have that experience, mm-hmm. and that has been very exciting for my globe trotting, dreaming heart. I admit <laughs> that I push it for my students. Thank you. <laughs> well, I really don't like the idea that because you're in a STEM field that you Mm -hmm. would miss out on such a profound experience Mm -hmm. that you really don't get a chance to replicate at another point in your life. Even with abundant resources, Mm -hmm. most of us still have X number of vacation days a year with our jobs. And so we are limited and restricted in how much travel we can do. Even Mm -hmm. if we can travel every year, Mm -hmm. um, going to travel for a week or 10 days is very different than even going for six weeks Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. if you make it happen a full semester. Mm -hmm. So I... I will do some backflips to try to figure out how that can happen. (laughs) And it's a difference in the quality of your immersion, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a difference between being a tourist and being a temporary citizen of that Mm -hmm. place where you are, right? I remember in Ireland, we had to go to Garda, Mm -hmm. which is their police. It's also immigration. And we had to, like, go through, like, immigration. It's like diet immigration. It's not real, but like they have to like you have to go and meet with an immigration officer to be like, yes, I'll be here slightly over the time that I'm allowed to be here. I'm here as a student. Here's my schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, Please don't kick me out of the country prematurely. You're a lot more official than I was. Oh, yeah. Well, I walked. I found a border crossing in the mountains somewhere. There was a single man there in his tiny little booth. And I stepped across with two feet and I said, here's my passport and I have a new stamp. Look, I'm here. And then I stepped back across and I walked back down to oh the my winery gosh, at great. the bottom of the mountain. But, wow. you know, that's... Um, so you were basically in the at, at the end of the Sound of Music when they're like yes. hiking over it, the mountains and was, they're like, I am yes. in Switzerland now or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. We're safe now. Yeah, we're safe now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We made it. <laughs> well, you know, it gives you a real sense of how... Border crossings are something that we create and we build. Yes. And there's 
just land. Yeah. Social constructions. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I could Entirely have stepped artificial. across the land at any different point, but the point of me stepping across was that I needed a new stamp on my passport so yep. I could stay for another 90 days. Yep. So <laughs> wow. I had a purpose, but I could have wandered across. Well, rest assured that students who study abroad through Penn State, <laughs> Penn State Global deals with all of the visa stuff. So whatever yeah. you need to be there for the time that you need to be there for your program, they will take care of that with you. So, yeah, I was, I went to a very small school and, um, I, in hearing how the students at Penn state are supported, it feels quite different Mm. than what I hear from my students now. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you support students when they're like, Joel, this is something that I want to like pop my cop up uh, Coke can on. Sorry. Never heard of that. <laughs> I, I think I just made it up. I think but, <laughs> sure that's a Jonathan. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so like I want to like open this pop can. I want to drink the soda. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What what are some of the things that you talk to students about? How do you support them in this journey? Yes. Yeah. Well, when students come to me using those exact words, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot that we talk about. First of all, the level of support as you alluded to, John, that students receive abroad is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from preparing to go abroad, what they should, you know, what they should pack, but how they should mentally prepare themselves mm-hmm. to uh, mitigate any homesickness mm-hmm. or um, or uh, or anything like that while they're abroad or culture shock, all the way up to when they're actually abroad. Um, I like to call it students get the best health insurance ever, um, which literally covers anything that might happen to them from a sprained ankle to a broken bone all the way up to natural disasters and having to be, you know, airlifted somewhere. That's never happened to one of our programs, but it's all covered 100%, including mental health, including psychological services, wherever they are in the world, all that is covered with whatever they need. Um, So that can be a nice kind of safety net to have. Yeah, because there's like a lot of fear because my school definitely did not do that intense Mm -hmm. of supports with that. Um, Yeah, because we, you know, what if you have students at this age, they're at like the prime time for like mental health sneaking up. Sure, exactly. You know, when we look at statistics of when like a lot of these things present, like it's roughly in this time period. And like, yeah, is this obscenely rare and probably not going to happen? Yeah. But it sounds like if, you know, something does present, you've got tools at your disposal to address this, right? You don't have to like fly home to address this. You can do it where you're at and like develop those adult skills of like, okay, this is a problem that I'm experiencing. Let me address it. Right. But here's the support for you to do so. Right. Here here are the mechanisms that are already in place. I imagine that it's really nice for some of our students that go on our more popular programs, for example, Florence, (laughs) for example, to be have other students who have done it just 
the year prior to talk yes. to before mm-hmm. they go. So yes, indeed. Indeed. it's while you're always stepping into the unknown when you travel, um, it's a little bit less of an unknown and you get almost like a little bit of a peer-to-peer orientation if mm-hmm. you wanted to talk to someone who had gone the previous year. Yeah. And Penn State Global actually does a really good job with their peer education abroad advisors who do exactly what you're describing. Um, I've actually made an effort the past couple of years to get in contact with our returning cohorts each year um, and to say, hey, let me know if you'd be willing to chat with some of our students about your program, about uh, the experience that you had abroad. And this past year, I mean, we sent I think we sent 209 students abroad last year from the College of Science, um, which was which was which was twice that of any other previous year that the College of Science has ever sent people abroad. Uh, just two to my own horn there. Uh, but that gave me a really but that gave me a very uh, large pool to recruit from mm-hmm, for these yeah. kind of science peer advisors. Good. And if you're interested in a program, odds are we have someone who has volunteered themselves to talk about it to you. Good. So it helps with that comforting. Exactly. It, yeah, it does. It does increase comfort, I think. But I know there are some specific programs yes, that indeed. you would probably indeed. like to talk about yes. because yeah. they work for our pre-health students. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts here. Um, for pre-health students, the two big concerns on the academic end for studying abroad are uh, programs that fit into your academic plan, first mm-hmm. of all, right? That gets you to graduate on time and all that kind of stuff. That might even get you to graduate ahead, depending on which program you do. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, we'll talk about a couple of those programs. And programs that fit into your application or application preparation mm-hmm. timeline, right? So be it prepping for the MCAT or be it uh, going through the whole year and a half application cycle, depending on where you are applying, Um, you know, programs that don't interfere with that Mm -hmm. at all. Right. So we have a lot in the way of international programs um, that don't conflict with anything. Uh, (laughs) If we want to start with semester long programs, Mm -hmm. uh, because you can study abroad for an entire semester, all three of us, Mm -hmm. all three of us did it. And we send Mm -hmm. lots of pre-med students who do it. Um, First of all, if you're planning on taking a gap year right off the top of the bat, which um, I know is strongly encouraged (laughs) among many in pre-health advising. (laughs) um, If you're planning on taking a gap year, Everything's easier. Everything in your life really is easier. Yes. Um, <laughs> we go. That includes study abroad. Yeah. Uh, we'll have you back to talk I will, about gap year <laughs> I will include in that your life, you know, that yeah. includes education abroad programs. Um, the world is your oyster in that yeah. case, literally, uh, in that you can uh, pick nearly any semester, I would say after sophomore year, maybe even spring of sophomore year though, um, any semester before your graduating semester, anything before, let's say spring of your fourth year, spring of senior year, whenever that turns out to be. Um, and you can go abroad and take classes toward your requirements, whether you're a pre-med major, whether you're a bio major, whether you're a BBH major, whether you're a theater major, who's going to PA school, whatever it is, right? Um, We can find you courses toward your program. That is not a problem, Mm -hmm. okay? If you're not taking a gap year, because I know the two of you also have many conversations of people who are reluctant Mm -hmm. to um, put their 
educational plans on hold for even a year. Um, if you are not into that, that's okay too. Uh, first of all, we can have a conversation of maybe doing something, not maybe, of doing a semester abroad at some point during junior year. Mm-hmm. The conversation involves when the MCAT happens, if you're taking the MCAT. If you're not, if you're going into some other pre pre-professional health program, the conversation becomes when we get your prereqs in and how to fit various things in. Because you're right, John, in that when you go abroad, all of the credit you take abroad transfers back to Penn State as Penn State credit. It will be reflected on your transcript as normal Penn State credit. You get a grade for it. It goes toward your GPA. There will be no indication on your transcript that you were even abroad. Yep. There will be no notes. You are still a University Park student or a Harrisburg student or a Barron or wherever you are. Right. Um, So you are correct in that. That said, though, that said, for some of our course sequences, it's still best to take those, I would argue, here. Yep. Right. Um, Especially in chemistry, physics, a couple Mm -hmm. of the bios. Things yeah. like that. There are some exceptions, but mm-hmm. in general, when we're talking about semester-long study abroad, we try not to we try not to interrupt mm-hmm. those sequences too much, and we'd rather you take, let's say, advanced four hundred level pre-health mm-hmm. courses, bio courses, anatomy, physiology, pathology, immunology type type classes abroad. So that's the short of it. Yes, you can do semester abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one semester-long program in particular that I literally built for pre-health students, that I made for pre-health <laughs> students, um, and that is spring semester of typically your second year, mm-hmm. spring semester of AKA sophomore year, um, in Florence, Italy. Okay, And the way that this was built for pre-health students is that we – hired people basically to teach the Penn State versions, our versions of Organic Chemistry 2 and Bio 240W, which is our integrative physiology course. Two courses that a lot of pre-health students take, that a lot of our students have to take just to graduate, Mm -hmm. uh, that are often paired together and are taken in the same semester. And this program is offered every single spring. We then round out the rest of your schedule with gen eds or whatever you need at that point. Yeah, and what's nice about the timing of this program is even if you're on that most rigorous time frame, you're not impacting the semesters where you're preparing or you're writing for the application, and and you're not impacting a semester where you should be interviewing. Precisely. It's like a like really a really kind of like apex time frame for students who want to do this, and it also gives you a I would argue, a very nice amount of time to consider whether or not you want to study abroad. Mm-hmm. So it gives you time to think about it, think about the realities of it, and it doesn't – it's it's like a null impact. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because mm-hmm. it's so early. Yeah, right. and even if you're like, well, but I won't get any clinical experiences. Well, you still have a summer coming up after it. You have all this time to build up to it. It's it's a, It really is the ideal time to take a step away and to have – experience like this. And quite frankly, you're getting an international experience. Well, everybody applying to your program is going to have clinical experience. There's going to be a lot of people, especially who don't go to Penn State, who don't have any kind of international experience. I'm thinking you're stepping away from perhaps the clinical experiences and Penn State itself, but you're stepping into a new perspective Mm -hmm. that you might not have the opportunity to gain otherwise. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have patients of all varieties in the future, Mm -hmm. Um, not just those who match your own background perfectly. And so having a bit of a broader worldview um, 
a wider perspective on how others live can be really, really beneficial to your future practice. So Mm -hmm. you're stepping into something else that's very beneficial. And that gets into how we package these international experiences Mm -hmm. for maybe later admissions committees and interviews and things Mm -hmm. like that later on that um, this is this is you volunteering yourself, voluntarily putting yourself outside your comfort zone, you know, um, purposely putting yourself outside our kind of little cultural bubbles that we all build around our, our, ourselves so that you can, you have empirical evidence that, Hey, not only can I work with people from other backgrounds and other Mm -hmm. cultures, but I literally put myself out there, right? Mm -hmm. I chose to put myself out, out there. So hopefully when I'm working with a patient who feels completely out of sorts mm-hmm. and completely, um, you know, in a foreign place in, let's say, a clinic or a hospital or something like that, um, I ha- I have more empathy for what they're feeling. I, I, I know a little bit more of what they're experiencing because I've been there and I chose to do that for myself. Yeah. So talking about this sort of like feeling out of place feeling. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our students are going to be concerned about their ability to perhaps succeed in the classroom environment overseas. Sure. Sure. Can you talk about perhaps the language of instruction? I would be happy to, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, So every program I'm going to recommend today is uh, taught in English, Um, regardless of whether the the, the rest of that country speaks English. (laughs) um, The programs that we're discussing are in English. If uh, anyone... If anyone listening here is not experienced with international travel, and many, many aren't, I would even say most aren't, um, we have the immense privilege as English speakers on the world stage that English is the lingua franca, the universal language at the moment Mm -hmm. across the world, that there's a ton of fluent English speakers regardless of where you go in the world, some more so in in, uh, some places, but we have that privilege mm-hmm. um, and there's advantages and disadvantages of that, which would be at a whole nother conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but for the purposes of education abroad, um, it, it works out very, very nicely. Um, so I wouldn't worry about that for something like the ISI Florence biology track that, I, that we were uh, talking about earlier. Um, Another advantage of that that I've heard from students, feedback that I've heard from our students, is that they get to take these very intense courses, especially organic chemistry. They get to take these courses instead of in a class of three or 400 people, they're in a class of 25 or 30. Right. Oh darn! So there's a ton of a ton more one-on-one interactions with the professors if they need extra help. Um, the professors who teach it are absolutely or teach both these courses. Actually, I know them very well at this point. They're wonderful, very student-centered, um, and it is an entirely different experience. And I would even say superior experience to what most students take here on campus. Yeah, I went to a smaller school, so the idea of like. When I studied abroad, I was in a class with 600 students, and I was, like, so unready for that. I'm sure, yeah. But yeah. at Penn State, like, my first semester students were like, yeah, I have two classes that have 600 people. And I'm like, okay. Oh, <laughs> Are same, you all right? Yeah, sure. My largest classes were, were during study abroad. Yeah. Wow, for really? Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. small liberal arts college, I don't think I sense, yeah. ever had a my largest class would have been the equivalent of like psych 100. Mm-hmm. And I think there were 60 people. Oh my yeah. goodness. My largest yeah. class was managerial accounting. 
and it had uh, 64. Wow. And we remember those numbers because it was like such an outlier. Oh, right, right. Such a so big high. class. Because yeah. there's more than 12 people here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I took uh, my senior HR seminar course. I uh, had eight students in it. Mm-hmm. And I got special permission to take the class, even though I didn't have all the prereqs. Good deal. Because yeah. I'm special. Because you're special, <laughs> clearly. Well, it's sometimes <laughs> easier to get that attention yeah. and special exactly. allowance yeah. when there aren't as many other people asking yeah. for it. And the only reason I was able to take it is because I took HR abroad in Ireland. Oh, nice. And they covered the more material yeah. than the U.S. version. At like at my Look undergrad at institution, they covered more content. And so I like shared the syllabus and she's like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> So, yeah. so from a Penn Wait. State student perspective, then most of the time we're, they're actually going into smaller right. classrooms. Yes. Yes. For you, this is, is great. So, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. So, but travel abroad as yes. a student is more than just taking classes. Of course, there yeah. are other options. Of course, of course. Um, which one of them is research? Yeah. So we have a whole bunch of I like to call them short term programs. Uh, you don't have to go for an entire semester. You don't even have to take classes abroad. You can do something. You you can take a single class or you can even do something more hands-on, more experiential, yeah. right? You can do as Kimberly uh, mentioned, research abroad, internships abroad, those type of experiences that you might be trying to find on campus right now yeah. or maybe thinking about finding back home over the summer. Um, you don't have to do those stateside, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to do those here. You can have the international aspect to them. You can have that multicultural element and do them abroad instead. Yeah. And then when you, you know, especially if you're doing this earlier on in your educational career at Penn State, you now have research experience with which to reach out to these labs on campus. You're not applying yes, with nothing anymore. Exactly, exactly. You have experience and a lot of these PIs are going to be more comfortable with you because you have experience. You know how to solve problems. Not only do you know how to do that, you know how to do it in a place where you don't have all the same resources that you do here. Exactly. It's a wonderful skill building in a way that's not comparable mm-hmm. on campus. Mm-hmm. So at the moment we have – if. Speaking of research programs, at the moment we have research abroad programs for for pre health students in particular, with uh, uh, lab lab f- 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 focuses in that realm mm-hmm. in the UK, Ireland, Spain, Denmark, Sweden, uh, and the Czech Republic. Um, so, Dang. and the Czech so Republic many. is the new one. And the Czech Republic is a brand new one, exactly. Um, in cool. Brno, in the in. Uh, the, the home of Pilsner. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're so or we're Pilsner or Qua, we'll say yes. specifically. Yeah. So we're a little bit more. <laughs> I believe I believe the term is a little bit more in Moravia than uh-huh. in yes, right but versus um, Bohemia. Yes, versus versus but but. Bohemia, but this is a program uh, that actually uh, forces its students, so I don't think you have to twist many arms, uh, (laughs) but that forces its students to uh, travel to the other regional cities around there um, to look at their research setups at various universities in cities like Prague and Vienna and Mm -hmm. Budapest. Um, So you actually have some built-in travel with that one. That's great. And having that comparative perspective is really neat mm-hmm. because a lot of students they'll have like one singular lab experience and mm-hmm. so you'll know how research works sort of in that one little vacuum but this like intentionally gets you exposure to a lot of different like setups lab exactly. types focuses how can this look differently 
Exactly. You know, Very cool. The research community always has sort of an international aspect to it because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very collaborative and you sort of, regardless of where you're from, you go where your, mm-hmm. you know, topic or subject of interest is being studied and, yeah. you know, where the funding is and right. such. But when you are involved with research here at Penn State, you are in your own sort of community and country of origin, which is very different than the experience of many of your colleagues, perhaps in the lab. And this gives you a chance to sort of step out of your own culture and still participate in research, but get an experience that maybe is a little more similar to that of what your colleagues in the lab here back at Penn State might be experiencing because they're coming from someplace else. And again, build your cultural empathy. Right. Yeah. Um, build build your ability to put yourself into somebody else's shoes, whether it's an international colleague, whether it's a lab mate, whether it's a future patient, whatever it is. Yeah. So let's say I'm a student and research is not sort of my priority or my sure. interest sure, area. Sure. There are other opportunities? Question mark. Uh, there are a ton of opportunities. Answer <laughs> yes. Uh, you're exactly right. Um, so I referenced other short-term programs. Uh, it doesn't have to be an internship. It doesn't have to be research. It could be an entire class. It yeah. could be um, an entire 400-level class done in a very, very short period of time, mm-hmm. um, making it probably the most efficient, making study abroad probably the most efficient way mm-hmm. to knock out certain credits. Um, we have. I'll just. I'll just uh, shamelessly plug my own program. Uh, the, I'd be offended if you didn't. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, not wanting to offend anybody in, in this room, then. I yeah, I will shamelessly plug the Anatomy in Italy program. Um, it is a. It's it's actually a normal spring semester course. It's a normal mm-hmm. spring semester class that meets you know, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, just like any class throughout the spring, but then travels for a week and a half uh, to Italy during spring break. And the reason we go to Italy is because the whole point of the class is to study why did the sciences of human anatomy and physiology, the modern sciences that we know today, why were they first born? Why did they first develop during the Italian Renaissance? So why then and why there? Um, We have to study kind of the surrounding society and cultural context to figure this out. Um, so it's kind of like a history of anatomy and physiology course, but one where you get to, you know, actually see some of the history for yourself in Italy. History comes alive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I've had many students do this yes, experience <laughs> and I have not heard a negative syllable from mm-hmm. a single student. Mm-hmm. So if you want something that's going to feel uh, a little less intense, this is a wonderful option to explore. It's certainly not the only option, but nope. it is a wonderful option to explore. And it's flexible. You can fit it. We've had people do it. I mean, we've even had people do it their first year, but we've had mm-hmm. people do it second year, third year, fourth year, mm-hmm. graduations this semester. You're only abroad for spring break, so it doesn't interfere with anything. Yeah. Now, this course has prerequisites to it. Yes. Yes, okay. which is any level of any college-level anatomy or physiology course. Um, which could be anything from the little one credit Bio 128 Cadaver Lab or mm-hmm. Bio 161, the introductory anatomy and physiology course, or all the way up to if you take the advanced Cadaver Lab, Bio 476, or physiology, Bio 472. Whenever you take any of those courses, yeah. the following spring, you could look at anatomy in Italy. So, it's, so uh, it sounds like th- there's so many options yeah. for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's scheduling season right now. Yes, so. it is indeed. The words 
Bio 472 and 3 or 476 have come out of my mouth so many times yes, over right. the past several weeks. Yeah, let's talk about Dr. Squires. Let's talk about like, Dr. Waters. Oh, let's talk about, on. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay, so I'm thinking Florence is a lovely place to be. Yes, but we can get out of Italy. We can get out we of Italy. We can definitely get out of Italy. We can even get out of we Europe. Could sleep on the, we could sleep in less... Um, Fluffy beds. Yes. Fluffy beds. Not four-star hotels. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps on right. the ground. Yeah. Or... So tell us more. We if can. If you want to step outside of even just your sort of day-to-day living type of comfort zone. We can. Um, so let's talk about some of our summer programs, cool. especially some of the more medically oriented of those summer programs. Um, we have one that runs every single year, our uh, Biology of Eco-Health course. This course is actually led by the former dean of our college. And for three weeks, every May master, that is just during the month of May, um, he and his colleague uh, take about 15 of our students abroad to Tanzania, specifically to the Serengeti National Park in northern Tanzania, to learn how human health is supported and sustained by one's environment. And in this case, we're looking the humans that we're especially looking at and actually conversing with and learning from are these very traditional or aboriginal tribes mm-hmm. um, that still live in these very kind of old ways mm-hmm. on uh, on the Serengeti. So you're talking with them through and through an interpreter. Um, you actually do volunteer in a rural uh, Tanzanian hospital for a week mm-hmm. to learn about their perspectives on Western medicine, but you're also getting up close and personal with elephants and drafts and uh, cool animalia and like that, because again, it's all connected. Human yep. health is just one one single link in that chain. Yeah, if you have an interest in, I have a lot of students that are doing the One Health minor or the Global Health minor. Yes, Global Health especially. Wonderful yeah. match for yes. students that have yeah. that interest area already expressed. Even if you just want to dip your toes in the water, this mm-hmm. is also a wonderful experience for those students. But if you already have those pre-established experiences, this is a wonderful pairing for that interest set. And again, from the academic side, it's an entire three-credit bio 400 level course done in three weeks and there's almost no situation where that's not going to be helpful to you even if you're a (laughs) non-science major because a lot of like our students that are in non-stem majors have a harder time taking additional 400 level science electives and we know that that helps them in the admissions process but like after you had to squeeze in so many other prereqs it's really hard This is a great way to get a great class that's Mm going to give you a very unique perspective Mm -hmm. and an incredible experience in a non-traditional part of the world Mm -hmm. and and help that – yeah, sure, it's going to help your future application. It's going to make – it's going to broaden your mind way more and that's like – it's the true value. But if you're trying to justify it to your parents, tell them that it will help make your application look stronger. I love some of these more homegrown programs where there's also this opportunity for new mentorship from someone who you will actually have a chance of seeing again here at Penn State um, because a a lot of what we do is talk to our students about mentorship and about Mm -hmm. who are going to be the people who help you grow Mm -hmm. into the professional that you hope to be. And I think a lot of that can be gained when you have – I mean, Mm -hmm. study abroad, especially on these shorter trips Mm -hmm. that have very few people and are very sort of like – 
I say homegrown because it's you're not going entering into another university system. Right. You have this little group with a very planned set of things that are mm-hmm. happening and you get to know each other really, really, really well. Oh, my gosh. You coming. You become incredibly close knit. And I see that every single year with my anatomy in Italy course. We see it every single year with all of our what are called faculty led courses mm-hmm. where there's a Penn State faculty member leading everybody around. Yeah. Um, another such course that's offered during the summer a little bit later in case this works better for your schedule is our um, cancer biology course. Mm -hmm. Um, So for those with an interest in cell development, which they also talk about, but what happens when that development goes horribly, horribly wrong? um, There is a course, another 400 level bio course, Bio 416, that travels to Beijing, Mm -hmm. um, which has not done so since before COVID. So we're very excited to welcome this course back to the fold. Yes, exactly. Uh, So this course will also be traveling for three weeks in the month of July this summer um, to study in a cancer research laboratory at Peking University, um, which is great from the curricular end, of course, um, but from the intercultural standpoint, um, half the class is made up of Penn State students. The other half of the class are uh, local Peking University students, all of whom speak incredibly fluent English. Um, But that entire kind of mixed group does Mm -hmm. everything together, does the lectures, does research, um, does cultural activities throughout the city. You know, they go and do the touristy stuff, see see the Great Wall and the Summer Palace and Forbidden City and all that thing. Um, And it's just a great opportunity to, again, learn from people who are your age, Mm -hmm. who come come from a completely different cultural background, but who have very similar goals most Mm -hmm. often to what you want to do with your life, who have very similar um, uh, driving forces behind them that want them to go into a health-related field. Yeah, this is a great fit for any student that has an interest in oncology. Oh, gosh, I would say like one of the most common subspecialties that I hear in my first year students is pediatric oncology, Mm. which tracks because of of THON. Uh, the reality of that looks very different. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. I'm already be, stressed out about that. That would be incredibly that. emotionally <laughs> taxing. Decades. But oh. this is a good class if that's an area that you want to explore. Yes. You should also get involved with fun and prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, physically. Yes. Because that's not a, an easy life to lead. I'd say that this one in particular is wonderful for any student unless – you are in the application cycle. July is a horrible time <laughs> to study abroad. Good point. Because you are doing secondary essays. I would say any other time in your in your time. schedule. Yep. Great, in- amazing. Do it. Or if you apply, if you're applying without a gap year, yes, then it might be you could sort of just squeak that in. Yeah. Before you have to start. Not cool school. But actually. the summer after your first year, the summer after your oh, second year, yeah. I would even say the mm-hmm. summer after. Uh, your senior year, the summer after you graduate, exactly, um, would be a a great time as well. Sorry, sorry. So it's going to be variant depending on your application Mm -hmm. cycle, but don't feel like this isn't an opportunity for you, but also don't plan anything opposite a, (laughs) the time frame where you're doing secondary essays. Indeed. Indeed. Because Kimberly in a a few episodes ago told the story of a student who was on a two week long vacation. Oh boy. In July. And they spent their entire time at the at their like their beach family's house. beach house. Yeah. 
writing secondary essays. Oh, that's so sad. It was so sad. It was, you know, it wasn't something in their control. It was a big extended family thing. It worked for everybody else. It worked for everybody else. And of course, they were not going to say no to, they weren't going to be the only person of like 60 who stayed home. (laughs) They weren't going to be the poopy pants. But they were the person who had to sit on the deck all day long and write secondaries. Yeah. I really missed out on a lot. I mean, it shows their dedication. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it also shows the challenges of this particular path and some of the sacrifices that you might make. Did they include in their essay, as I'm sitting here on the deck? As I sit here on the deck, missing all of the... Looking at the rest of my family. Having fun on the beach. Listening to the waves crash. Yes, exactly. At least it's a peaceful environment. (laughs) So if I could mention just a couple other programs. Oh, please do. um, that uh, we'll also be offering one other one this summer uh, just to go back to Europe is a fantastic opportunity for a lot of pre-health students to actually get ahead Mm -hmm. or to catch up on either their chemistry or their physics. Um, We just started working with the University College Dublin. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, Ireland, John, um, we started working with the University College Dublin this past summer Mm -hmm. um, on their organic chemistry and physics tracks during Mm -hmm. the summer, which gives our students the opportunity to take either their entire organic chemistry sequence, all eight credits that pretty much anybody needs uh, for their pre-health, pre-health goals, um, or half to all of their physics credits that they need, depending on whether they need calculus-based or algebra. I was going to say, because it's algebra or trig, that you can do the whole. Uh, Correct. So it's, yes, right. Yeah, it's, it's the... Algebra trig base that you can do the entire sequence. Calc base, you can do half of that sequence. I would not wish the full calc base sequence on a, a human being in a single summer. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> they they wisely elected not, not to, to offer that. that. Okay, yeah, good. that yeah. was a good call. I think so, uh, too. <laughs> so we're really excited to be offering that again this summer. We had 20 Penn State students do the inaugural program, at least Very for cool. Penn State, the inaugural program this past summer. They had a fantastic time. The curriculum that you're learning is either University of Michigan's physics or UCLA's organic chemistry, which is why med Good. schools and other schools have been cool with this. Yeah. Um, and again, it comes back on your transcript the same way as anything else would. It's all Penn right. State awarded credit. And right. they're equivalent courses. They're not like bizarre physics. Direct numbers. equivalent courses. Direct That's equivalent. Great. We love to hear There it. is some concern about, oh, no, I was, I'm not supposed to take any of my med school prereqs during the, during the summer. summer. In this case, I... Speaking of packaging, I suggest when you're talking about this program that you went for the international experience, right? You yeah. went, went for, for the a, abroad experience. A very rigorous experience Not to mention, as well for yes, that particular the rigor. course. Right. So, and the thing is, is like you're not trying to escape difficulty by yes. doing this. Yes. The the thing with summer let's dispel some like issues with this like summer <laughs> issue because I don't want students to be discouraged from making certain choices be, over prereqs over the summer mm-hmm. with study abroad. Mm-hmm. The the whole conversation is it does it look like the student is trying to escape difficulty or offload something to take it easy somewhere else? Right. The students that are choosing to do this are not like and I'm just going to take 12 credits in the next semester. Like, no, you're still taking probably 16 to 18 credits in the yeah. next semester. Like, you're always going to be challenging yourself. Yeah. If you're not making this choice to intentionally make your life, quote unquote, easier, mm-hmm. it's a perfectly valid choice to make. And you should feel empowered to make it because it will enhance your application. We say no to summer because there are so few 
there are circumstances like this where it's appropriate and Mm -hmm. we want students to know that this is an exception to that rule. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of the decision making around, I'm just going to take this class over the summer, there is this fear and hesitancy around difficulty. This is still very hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's a difference between, I think, taking advantage of of a wonderful opportunity versus, Mm -hmm. yeah, trying to make your life easier. Yeah. And this is an amazing opportunity because you have the you have the luxury. Basically, this is the feedback that I got from students who went on this program last summer. You have the luxury of focusing on a single topic, on a single Mm -hmm. topic, on a single challenging topic Mm -hmm. that you don't have to balance out with your other science classes and gen eds and electives and things like Mm -hmm. that. You have the luxury of focusing just on on organic chemistry for yeah. a semester or just on physics and not have to worry about a lot of other things. So it can be very immersive. Extremely, extremely, which is why also our students sometimes get a little freaked out to say, wow, that's a lot of credits to take yes. in one summer. Um, but University College Dublin does a fantastic job in balancing things. You have mm-hmm. two and a half weekend days every single weekend. Um, sometimes you even have some longer weekends than that. And they intersperse kind of these cultural experiences all throughout the program, visiting um, the literary pubs of Dublin or going to the Guinness Brewery or visiting all these castles that are kind of spread around the countryside. So well, I've been to all of and- them. <laughs> I'm sure you have. Okay, <laughs> quick, quick sidebar tangent. If anybody Sorry. needs encouraged to do this. I would just like to say that the Guinness factory mm-hmm. and, and brew house, there is a museum that you go through before you get to mm-hmm. like the top uh, uh, where you like get to sample Guinness straight off the line. Mm-hmm. The museum is shaped like a pint of Guinness, <laughs> yes, that's true. It's no, no, ho- which that's is true. hilarious to me. And then at the top, there's this place called gravity bar yep. and it's the foam on top of the pint because it's glass the yep. whole way around and it spins. I have seen. And to, it's so cool. And to be clear, when students study abroad, they are uh, they follow the laws yes. of the local of the locality where they yep. are, and the drinking age is obviously one of those. It's eighteen. It, yeah, it's, it's lower in Ireland. I, I turned twenty one while studying abroad, mm-hmm. and so it was Ooh. very anti. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can yeah. still go to the I bar. Think my Great. parents were much less stressed about a twenty first birthday of their oldest child yeah. because. Yeah. There was no sort of threat of this sort of all-out wild (laughs) evening because it's just sort of normal and part of your everyday. It's normalized, right? You you kind of ease into it versus here. It's like one day all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's unlocked. Yeah, it was was far more social for things to be casual Mm -hmm. because like the, the culture... In the United States, it's very like, study hard, play hard. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and right. It's, you don't you don't have to play so hard. No. <laughs> you really don't. It's, it's there when you want to partake. And yes, it's, but, it's socialized very differently. So I'm thinking we're talking about immersive. We're talking about, uh, you know, the challenge of this particular summer and taking these courses. Sure. Um Travel abroad itself, while we often think of it as sort of very luxurious, mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, and that's something to consider, mm-hmm. especially when you're thinking about all of the courses. So if you're taking the summer course, for example, it's not like going home and taking one singular course and right. sleeping in your own bed right. and seeing your high school friends and mom cooking dinner in, in the <laughs> evenings and just like, you know, everything mm-hmm. that you're kind of used to. Every moment is new. 
Mm-hmm. So your brain is constantly going. Yep. Um, so that's that alone makes those courses very different than if you were oh, to take yes. that, you know, singular set of courses over the summer back home. Yes, yeah. you're right. And, and because of that challenge, it it can feel comfortable to try and like fall into back into sort of like old habits. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the things that you encourage students to do to make the most out of that time abroad mm-hmm. while they're mm-hmm. in that new environment? What are the things that you encourage as this person that's getting them ready to go? So first of all, to prepare themselves as much as possible, right? Yeah. So not only figuring out what to pack and getting your little three and a half ounce bottles that you can take through, you know, airport security and whatnot, but mm-hmm. preparing yourself mentally for mm-hmm. what you're about to experience. Um, and I feel like a lot of students go into these experiences thinking everything's just going to be great. Everything's just going to be hunky dory. This is going to be, you know, like a month long or a three month long or a three week long vacation almost. Right. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely is not right. First of all, it's still an academic experience above all. Yeah. Right? Um, if it, if it weren't, you wouldn't be getting credit for it. Right. Um, so I encourage students. I mean, you have students are required to do certain orientation materials through Penn State, through through Penn State Global. Um, but those are, I would argue, fairly minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, I really encourage students to go above and beyond. And right off the bat, buy a guidebook for that place. Mm-hmm. Right? It seems simple. It might seem old fashioned, mm-hmm. um, but like. Those things are written specifically to prepare you for international travel. Not only the logistical side, but the this is what it's like living in this place mm-hmm. side, right? And yeah. to give you to start giving you kind of a mental map, um, both you know geographically, but also kind of culturally of where you're about to go. Yeah, when I was studying abroad, um, this for my because my birthday is late July. Mm-hmm. I have the same birthday as Harry Potter. No big deal. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but uh, so for my birthday, uh, my mom bought me this book called The Fecking Book of Everything Irish oh, because they don't wow. drop the F-bomb in the traditional way. Sure. They say fecking. Yeah, which is why you're saying it now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, because this is a PG podcast. Yes, um, absolutely. No explicit content here. Uh, unless you're in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was nice because I got a lot of the slang mm-hmm. too because the slang is fast and frequent over there. And so had I not had that book, I'd been like, why is everybody talking about crack constantly? Yeah, that's right. Because crack is very different in (laughs) Ireland. Totally different thing. Uh, Crack means having a good time, Mm -hmm. having fun. Pleasant conversation. Uh You're you're having the crack. And I was very like, wait a minute, I read about this. This is fine. Mm -hmm. Well, and then there's just logistical things that are different. How do I... What? How do I navigate transportation? Absolutely. Grocery store, yeah. currency in yeah. some places. Absolutely. Um, even just the, like washing machines. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And not like, having oh, a dryer, perhaps. You're not having a dryer. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. pre- oh, sorry, I, I was going to say I grew up in the country, and so we drove everywhere because that's how you got places. But I studied abroad, and public transportation was the move. Yes, exactly. And so, like, learning how to do bus timetables, how mm-hmm. to like use that in part of your planning process how does that change your ideas around commuting and like accessing things because you know you don't like pay for an uber to take you from limerick to dublin 
Uh, I mean, you could, but you that would be a be horrible idea. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. Hundreds <laughs> of euros. Uh, so it's it was just very helpful in like preparing me for like Ireland. Spoiler alert: very public transportation friendly yep. country, and you should be prepared for that being your primary mode of transportation if things aren't just walking distance. Which is a nice segue, actually, because once you're there, one of the biggest things that I say to students is enjoy where you're at. Yeah. Right. Take advantage of the place that you specifically chose to study abroad in, because Mm -hmm. odds are all or most of your peers will be planning on traveling all over that continent that you happen to be on every single weekend. Right. Um, To say, you know, oh, I'm going to London this weekend and I'm going to Paris this other weekend and I'm going to Madrid this other weekend. Or speaking of a couple students who we have who are at the National University of Singapore right now, going to Australia now or going to Japan Mm -hmm. then. And I mean, which is fine. You can do it every once in a while, especially if there's like a nice longer break. Mm -hmm. Go for it. But Take advantage of where you're at. Take advantage of exploring the countryside, the small towns, the other major, you know, urban hotspots of that place you're in and get to know that country, get to know that region. That's what I always really encourage students to do. Quick tangent. About how many students do the Singapore program every year? Uh, From Penn State? Yeah. Uh, They have a hard cap, so we have about six to eight that we send from the university. That tracks. So we had some random listenership on our podcast from Singapore. Had no idea what that was from. I think we've solved the puzzle. I think think we (laughs) can probably figure that out. Singapore could could have been explained by by some. Oh, I love the National University University of Singapore. I love that program. You just have to apply early enough and talk to me. (laughs) That's, I think, good general advice. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. So I just had a particular thought here, which Mm -hmm. is we talk about study abroad as being financially feasible mm-hmm. for most of our students. Definitely. But I am remembering from my own study abroad days that what quickly makes it cost a lot more than being at home is when you're buying that plane ticket to Greece for the weekend, to London for the weekend. Every Ooh, weekend. London is expensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When you're going away for every weekend. So immerse yourself in the culture in the city where you are in that moment and save money and save some money exactly. as well so many exactly. cool things to do wherever you're at yes, yes. exactly how else are you going to learn that airports became fancy <laughs> right. well, if not bye yes. well, like even thinking so i lived in new york for a little more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. I never ran out of things to do oh, gosh, in no. New York. No, no, no. I never ran out of little day trips, mm-hmm. which are obviously much more affordable than mm-hmm. an entire weekend somewhere where you need to hop on a plane. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, New York is one example, but even here in State College, I still find all sorts of things to keep myself That's occupied, true. new little things going yeah. on, meet new people. Um, and so don't think that... You're missing out on the quote unquote full experience if you can't jet set every weekend. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That is not that it shouldn't be a bucket list experience no. because it's not going to be, quite frankly, it will not be the last time that you travel there. It will not be the last time that you travel abroad because you made the purposeful decision to put yourself out there now, yeah. right? This is just, this is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's not worth the by the time you actually get in from the airport and you mm-hmm. know get into the downtown area, it's not worth the twelve hours that mm-hmm. you're going to be there to get your pick in front of the Eiffel Tower for Instagram and then fly back. It's not worth it. Yeah, and so we are in the United States. We're socialized to expect fall break around Thanksgiving. Sure. Uh, spoiler alert, Thanksgiving, American holiday. You don't see that in other places, True but story. they do have other breaks in their terms. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a prime time to be traveling. Yes. And if you keep your ear out, a lot of times, like I know this was the case at the University of Limerick, they have particular trips that are designed to happen during that time frame that mm-hmm. are marketed towards their study abroad students yes, that are exactly. there. Like when I was in Ireland, I didn't have all the money in the world, sure. right? I, I came from very minimal, meager financial background. I was able to do it because of the exchange program, and yep. that makes a huge difference. But this was something that was just a week long, and I budgeted for it, and I was able to go from London down to Rome in seven days. Oh, my goodness. You did a grand tour through, in seven days? Through <laughs> the school, through Limerick. Yeah. Wow. They had a tra- they had a travel office on campus. Uh-huh. Oh. And all of the, their only job was to help people travel. Good for you. It That's was amazing. very cool. Yeah. It was right by um, my favorite pub called Scholars. So even better. <laughs> even better. By the way, if you're ever in Liberty, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Go to Scholars. It's on campus. It's like right there. <sighs> That's it's a great. Oh, I love the UK and Ireland and their pubs. They're on campus pubs. That's it's like one of the best things of um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. about those schools. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple artists that I saw before they blew up in the United States who traveled and performed at um, University of Limerick. Oh, wow. At, yeah. when they, before they were even big there, like yeah. Mumford and Sons. Yeah. I don't know if you know who they are. They yeah, had course. that hit many years ago called Little Lion Man. I saw them there. That's so cool. When they were traveling through. That's so cool. At no extra charge. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. But yeah, we went from like London into Paris, and then we took a train from Paris into Switzerland. We took this like mm-hmm. gondola thing up the mountain, mm. got to see goats. <laughs> sure. Came back down and then traveled by train into uh, Florence or Milan. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. And then we went down into to yeah. Rome, and it was and I'm not yeah. saying don't travel uh-huh. far, consider, but do it at a, an appropriate time. Consider yes. how you're doing that. Yes. Right. And keep your ears open because a lot of times these schools know that you want to do right. these things. Right. And they will pro- often provide opportunities, but you have to be paying attention to hear about them. But for all those other weekends. Yes. Penn State Global literally has this thing called the Stay Local Grant. It's part of their sustainability Get out. initiative where they will literally pay you to not travel far from your study abroad location. Wow. They will literally give you a mini grant. I think it's like a couple hundred dollars Still. to just stay in wherever you are, uh, uh, wherever you're studying for that particular weekend. Um, so cool. we haven't talked about funding opportunities yet, but that's one of the smaller ones. Well, so. this sounds like a great transition then. Yes. Segway. It would. Yes. So I, a lot of times when I'm talking about all these great international opportunities, um, I feel like some students are thinking, well, great, this sounds amazing, but you know, I'm not, from the top 0.1% and there's no way this could ever fit into my family's budget or my personal budget. Um, The good news there is I have never had a student not study abroad because of finances. That has never happened. We have 
always figured it out, okay, through a combination of the dozens, literally dozens of scholarships and grants that you can apply for, some of which, depending on your situation, you are automatically guaranteed. For instance, uh, Pell-eligible students, Pell-grant-eligible students are guaranteed at least $1,500 right off the top before any other scholarships or grants for when they study abroad. Um, Schreier students are guaranteed mm-hmm. these these funds. Um, uh, Millennium Scholar students are guaranteed these funds. There's a lot of programs that kind of have mm-hmm. this built-in guarantee. Uh, but even if you're not in any of those categories, that's okay mm-hmm. because for students who are really concerned about the financial side of things, which is understandable, mm-hmm. we have this whole list of programs that would cost you the same or less if you were to study abroad there compared to, let's say, being in State College at University Park. Yep. Okay. Um, There's a whole bunch of cities where the cost of living is the same or lower than State College, where you could actually, depending on where you go, you could actually save money over the course of an entire semester, even with the flight. I saved money when I studied abroad. There you go. There you go. University of Limerick is, by the way, one of our most affordable study abroad. Oh, my gosh. Locations. <laughs> um, and this is for – this is really a message for anybody who's in state. If you're out of state, I can actually guarantee that we can save money when you study abroad and save money to the tune of of uh, at least $10,000 because that is the amount of tuition that you will save by studying abroad through mm-hmm. – if you work with me – the certain programs that we that we select. So, yes, I think we really want to hit the head on like this is achievable. Yeah. No matter what circumstances you're bringing to the table, what challenges or barriers you need to overcome, there are programs and and grants and processes that you can go through to help overcome them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope we've hit the nail on the head that you should go talk to Joel. Please do. But if we haven't, go talk to <laughs> Joel. Which is uh, probably poor timing because I'm booked out into like November at this point because there are 3,500 Everly students in one of me. But we really I can still see you. I'm sure, they, I'm sure you do. <laughs> Your initials are probably in a third of my notes every single day in Starfish for my students. We do a lot there of referred to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. I mm-hmm. appreciate those referrals. Now, I don't want you to be like intimidated that his schedule is so far booked out. No, no, because not. All this planning happens much in advance. Yes. Um, and quite frankly, if you need something, if there's a pressing timeline, if you really mm-hmm. need something, I fit people in. I mean, that's not a big There's choice. a lot to explore online, too. It's not. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I remade the entire website when I started this job. Mm-hmm. Um, everything everything is up there. Uh, not to mention there's a uh, Science Abroad K- K- Canvas page as well, mm-hmm. which was literally broken down by major within Very the cool. College of Science, if you happen to have one of those. But even if you don't, you can mm-hmm. find something similar um, that has recommended programs for every one of our um, academic paths. How might a student join that Canvas page? Well, I'm glad you asked that, John. Mm. Uh, On the Everly College of Science Study Abroad page, there is a link right on the homepage to join the Canvas group. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are a part of some of the other pre-health Canvas. Well, there is only one pre-health Canvas group. Yes, I'm looking at Everly John now. Yes, so I believe it's linked there as well. So... Quick 
let, let's unpack that a little bit for sure. our listeners. We had to move our main pre-health advising page to SharePoint because we got too big for Canvas. Oh, really? It turns out only supposed to have 500 people in the Canvas yes, class. Yes, that's right. That's right. Shockingly, yeah. we have more than 500. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense then. That we topped sense. out at 3,500. <laughs> <laughs> so we switched to SharePoint. Okay. <laughs> because it can sustain, uh, I think, 10, 15,000. We will make you. sure that it is still linked, though, in SharePoint. Okay. Sounds it good. is. Because I, I did, I, I showed okay. a student how to find the okay. study abroad information through SharePoint. Fantastic. Uh, that was actually at one point we had like a glamour link to study abroad. And then we realized we didn't have a glamour link to applying to programs. Oh. Um, so unfortunately Sorry, we, we got downgraded to, to, to our application cycle information. <laughs> I guess if there's certain, you know, <laughs> higher priorities, whatever. But no, that's um, fine. there are abundant resources. And if Joel's not available, we can ha- like your academic advisor can have yes, a preliminary conversation with you. Talk about these would be the ideal places for you to be able to fit courses that maybe don't fit particular requirements. Like we have a program list in our majors mm-hmm. that can accommodate pretty much anything you want to take. And I thank academic advisors like John and Kimberly who have shown an interest in education abroad and making it work for, for their students. And they can really be a great preliminary resource. So yeah. um, I should also add that, again, if you can't get an, an, appointment with, an appointment with me super soon and you don't have a super pressing concern that necessitates mm-hmm. me scheduling you outside of my stated availability, you can also email me. With mm-hmm. questions, um, I try to get. I try to respond to all student emails within 24 hours of their sending. Um, so I will get Good back for to you. you. That's ambitious. I swear to the heavens, <laughs> I will get back to you. So yeah, uh, my my response timeline is uh, dependent on time of year. That is not, by the way, to compare. That is not. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> that is we not have, to show off. We work with different yeah. students. Exactly. The, the scope of different questions different. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Outlook feature that says. Uh, that has a little reminder. Did you want to write back to this person? <laughs> oh, I sure did. It's been so many days since they wrote to you. I'm yeah. like, oh, thanks oh, for catching that. You know what? Thank I'm you, Outlook AI. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All right, Joel, I think it's time for us to sort of wrap up. Indeed. Is there any last minute sort of like pieces of advice, final takeaways that you mm-hmm. really want to leave our students and listeners with? I would say if you want to do an international experience, and I do realize – I do realize that not everybody does. It makes me sad. But if you do want an international experience while you're an undergraduate, which, by the way, is the best time that you can do it, um, try to meet with me as early as possible. Mm -hmm. I meet with a lot of even first-year students Mm -hmm. to talk about their experiences abroad in three years from then. Right. Um, Meet with me as early as possible. That said, if you are looking at it at an international program and it's coming up really, really soon – let me know that too. We can mm-hmm. also t- 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 talk about it. I literally just um, uh, set up a semester abroad for one of our change of campus students. This is Very his first cool. student, or this is his first semester at UP. Um, I set him up a semester abroad in ten days. Um, it was super last minute, but all the academic planning, all the mm-hmm. courses he's going to take, all the application materials, we had it done in a week and a half. Please don't do that to me purposely, no. <laughs> but I'm just saying if there is something really, really pressing, we can make that happen too. But as much as you can, yeah. see me early. Mountains can be moved, but you cannot move mountain ranges constantly. Yes. Well mm-hmm. said. Well mm-hmm. phrased. Indeed. Indeed. Because I feel that way with students. Oh, I, I will move a mountain for you. Sure. 
um, but I cannot move the Alps. That shouldn't be the expectation. I can't yeah. move mountains every day. It's no. Uh, they are heavy lifts. Yeah. We're happy to do heavy lifts for students, but we, uh, yeah, I'm not a power lifter. Exactly. I've got exactly. these little spaghetti arms. <laughs> so I can, I can do that. And of course, and, I wanted to thank you, John and Kimberly, for uh, the opportunity to, to talk to everyone today. I really appreciate it. Well, we have these great experts on things that we think are good ideas for our students, and it's so much better for them to hear about it from you, the expert, as opposed to like transformed through our perspective sure. because we don't work with the breadth of students that you do. So you mm-hmm. have so much more information and context to provide students. Mm-hmm. And with any luck, Joel's going to connect us with a student who has traveled, studied abroad yes. recently so that we can hear directly from them as well. I'd be happy to. We have a whole list of extraordinarily enthusiastic students who uh, were just looking for excuses to talk about their, their I wouldn't time even be upset with multiple. Yeah. I think that there's so many different cool ways to do it. I agree. All right. Well, Joel, thank you. This has been uh, one of our longer episodes, but I think that there were so many good things to talk about that I'm not upset about it. Uh, But thank you all for joining us this week on the Penn State Pre-Health Podcast. The Penn State Pre-Health Podcast is a production of the Pre-Health Advising Office and the Eberly College of Science at Penn State University. It is produced, edited, and promoted by the Pre-Health Advising Team. The views, opinions, and any advice shared during the podcast are that of the hosts and any guests only and do not necessarily reflect the best advice for every student at every institution for every health profession. This is a nonprofit podcast made for the purpose of better serving pre-health students across our university system. Our intro music is This Science by Coma Media, and our outro music is Screening, also by Coma Media. Mm-hmm.